I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Psalm 125. Psalm 125 as we continue with the 15 Psalms of Degrees and the ascent, the stepping up. And uh, we're seeing the trilogies of the uh, troubles and then the triumphs and uh, the testings and things and here we see the trust and we're going to look at this psalm they that trust in the lord shall be as mount zion which cannot be removed but abideth forever as the mountains are round about jerusalem so the lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever for the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous lest the righteous put forth their hands into iniquity do good o lord unto those that be good and to them that are upright in their hearts As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity, but peace shall be upon Jerusalem. Now, there are three major things here that we'd like to deal with in this incredible psalm. And the first one is the word trust. And then we're going to look at triumph. And lastly, we're going to look at tragedy. And uh, the, the trusting, that word trust, they that trust in the Lord. The word in the Hebrew means confident and secure. It's, uh, f- it expresses the feeling of safety and security that is felt when someone can rely on someone or something else. And you can rely 100% all the time. 100% now and all the time because he is a very present help in trouble right now he's in your today and he's already seen your tomorrow and he knows what's there we can trust in our God we can trust in the Lord if we put our trust anyplace else we're going to be in trouble and nobody else has can give us the confidence that we need to know that everything's going to be all right but God can because he's seen the whole thing He's got it all the way to the end. He knows the path you're on, and he knows where it leads. So there's nothing surprising to him. Back in 2 Kings chapter 18, we come across a king named Hezekiah. And it says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. And he, Hezekiah, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. 
He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made because they were worshiping it. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Neheshton. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. So we see something there in the trusting of the Lord. But we must continue to trust him. The trust factor is 100% in the Lord. And so we see here, they that trust in the Lord, the Lord, God, Jehovah, the self-existent one, the one who is the I am, the one who's your very present help. That's the one. But then there's a triumph for trusting. You must look at this triumph because it is exciting. He said, which cannot be removed. He said that they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. Okay, it abideth forever. The mountain is a symbol of stability. So we see in this the Lord's stability. It cannot be moved. It abideth forever. We see security, eternal security. It abideth forever. And as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forevermore. We see that we're surrounded by the Lord and his help. I'm reminded of over there when Elisha said, to the servant, because the servant came out and said, what are we going to do? We're surrounded by the enemy. And Elisha was not taken by that. He didn't get upset. He didn't flip out. He didn't freak out. There was no issues or problems. You know why? Because he could see spiritually. So he prays and says, Lord, open the servant's eyes. And hovering, <coughs> excuse me, hovering up above, he saw a great cloud of angels with the flaming swords and all. And all of a sudden, Things looked a lot different. Faith can see the invisible. And I love that verse in Hebrews, seeing him who is invisible. We can see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our wonderful Heavenly Father and the power of the Holy Ghost. We can see him who is invisible through the written word of God as God burns it into our hearts and our minds and our thought processes. And so we see that there is a surrounding and a security and we see that there's a stability. And we see that it cannot be removed, but it abideth forever as the mountains are round about Jerusalem. We have an incredible salvation. The Bible says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Paul wrote, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And to the answer to all those are rhetorical questions. No. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecutions? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. <laughs> peril? No. Sword? No. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul said, for I am persuaded, I'm convinced, I'm convicted that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, Paul said to Timothy, he said, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. And I love this verse, and I love the song that this verse had written from it. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Do you know whom you have believed? Do you know who it is that you have put your faith and trust in? Of course you do if you know Jesus Christ as Savior. I know whom I have believed. Like I said, there's a a song that was written uh, by that name, and uh, it is one of my favorite all-time songs. And it goes like this, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. That's the chorus, which is that wonderful verse. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart, but I know whom I have believed. (laughs) I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him, but I know whom I have believed. I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me, of weary ways or golden days before his face I see, but I know whom I have believed. And I like this, I know not when my Lord may come, at night or noonday fair, nor if I'll walk the veil with him or meet him in the air, but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Nothing greater in all the world than to have the security of our God, to know that I have put my trust in God. The Bible says, in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Thank God. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. I'm telling you, it doesn't get any better than the trust and the results of that trust, the triumph, which is that we are safe and secure. For the Bible says in verse 3, For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. You know what that's saying? It's saying it won't settle in on the godly because if he let it settle in on them, the righteous might put their hands into iniquity and do that which is lawless and sinful. But this wickedness will not rest on the uncompromising righteous people. But here's what he's saying, and please remember this. He will not put more on us in the temptation area than we can handle. He has an escape route for it. But you must remember that there are some things there that must be taken care of because we do enter into uh, wicked people and have that influence, but we don't have to have all of that influence us to the point of succumbing because we are free from the power of sin. When you got saved, it was a done deal. You are saved from the penalty of sin, done deal. But in the present tense, 
You are being saved from the power of sin. There has no grip on you. You choose to do it when you do it. You sit, you just choose. It's a choice you make because there was no power over you. You let the you succumb to the powers of this life. He's not removing it, but he's restricting it. He didn't remove it from you, but he's restricting it. He's giving you things to keep you back, and I'm glad that he does that. My Bible makes it very, very clear that we have to fight these the old nature, and all we have to do is feed the new nature, and when we feed the new nature, everything will be all right. The rod of the wicked shall not rest. The word rest is the key, meaning that he limits what the wicked can do. But it also says that the righteous will not be exempt from the troubles, but it's limited. It won't rest. It won't be permanent. But they may be used to discipline. The rod is an instrument of discipline, a form of chastisement. And the, the shepherd used the rod uh, with the sheep in many different ways, good and uh, for discipline. He said, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. God knows where your temptation level is. He wants to tempt you to prove to you what's in your heart so you'll fix it. So you can see what's in You say, I would never do that. Then that temptation comes up. You go, whoa, I would do that. And you stop in your tracks and you get it right and you fix it right there because you don't want to go down that road any longer. If you don't do that, you will continue down the wrong road. God made it off ramp according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that that you are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay, so we see that even in the end times when those who are left after we're taken out and all of the horrible things that are talked about in the end times in Matthew 24 and the Mount Olivet Discourse, he said, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. You know what he's doing? He's saying right what he said here. There'll be that punishment because of what Israel has done to get away from, but he will restrict it. He will not let it overflow. He will limit it. He's bringing them back to the fold, bringing them back to the fold. We see here, then we go to the next section. After we leave uh, the, the section for the rod of wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their iniquity. We come down to verse number four, and we see the triumph. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. And it's interesting because it's in the hiffle stem imperative. So again, he's, he's intensely saying, God, I got to have this. Cause this to happen. Cause good for those who are good. Cause that to happen. And to them that are upright in their hearts. Man, that word upright, to be righteous, to be straight. And uh, the straight and narrow, the just and right road is a straight and narrow road. The path that the Lord has us on is a straight and narrow path. And we must stay on the path, not to the left, not to the right. And as God leads us down the road, we get uh, the way of our life, the way, the journey. Uh, as we look down the road we're traveling, we get light on the path that we're on for the next step. 
and we can go that next step by faith. And then he lights the next step, and we go the next step by faith. And those steps are ordered by the Lord, and we should be delighting in them. He's saying here he petitions God with an imperative to be good to those who are good. The psalmist, he's not, he's not looking to the hypocrites. He's talking about those that are doing good. He's not looking to those that are unfaithful. He's not looking to those that come and go. He's looking at those that are, are good, who appear uh, to uh, want to be upright in their hearts. To them that are upright, that's the ones he's wanting God to be good to, not the hypocrites. And uh, there are those who genuinely love the Lord, genuinely want to work for the Lord, genuinely outwardly show the inward love they have for God. That's who they are. That's who they talk about. That's what their life is about. And so there it is. But then we see the trust and we see the triumph. And when we put the trust and triumph together, it sets up a pattern that you will see throughout the whole Bible. And that is for those who trust in the Lord and are obedient to that trust, doing what God has said by faith, then they will have triumph in their life. No matter how bad things get and how bad things are, there is triumph in their life. When we get to uh, the book of Hebrews and we get to chapter number 11, we get uh, a little bit about what faith is all about. And we see that faith is the substance. And that word substance means confidence. It has the idea of concrete evidence. And it means to set under, meaning that this is apparent and essential and substance, and you can grab hold of it and have assurance of its guarantee with all confidence. Faith is something you can get a hold of and be assured of. It's the evidence of things hoped for. That's what we expect. It's the, the calm assurance of things not seen. Faith is substance. You can grab hold of it spiritually of the things hoped for. It is the evidence, the proof of the conviction, literally, of things not seen. Then he said, for by it... The elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand. Isn't that good? Through faith, we have a perception that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear, meaning creation. Creation. My faith has got substance. Listen carefully, ye who trust in the Lord, by faith. Faith is not a blind leap in the dark. It's not a jump off the bridge and hope everything comes out okay. Faith is stepping out on what you have prayed and read in the Bible and you know God is telling you to do or not to do. Faith is stepping out in full confidence regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what people think, regardless of what's going on around you. Faith steps out on what God has said. Noah, build an ark. I know you don't know what that is. I got the plans. Get those boys and build an ark. And so for 120 years, he built an ark and preached as he was told to speak to those people who did not get on that ark because they did not believe a word that he said. But Noah and his family got on 
We see he stepped out by faith. Many a person has been under conviction to do something for the Lord. I have been there, and God has called me into the ministry at the age of 14, and he took me through my church times growing up, and by the time I was 18, I was already an area coordinator for the Iwana Youth Association. Shortly after that, I was the Iwana missionary for the state of Florida. Before that, my 16, 17, 18, I traveled the state of Florida and preached uh, youth meetings and things. And then I taught in the Christian school for some 20-something years in uh, college and pastored for 22 and a half years. It's amazing what God has led us to do. And we stepped out by faith. We didn't jump off a bridge. We followed that which God told us to do. And trusting God is not a blind leap. It is stepping out in faith one step at a time, no matter what people say. You just have to know it's God's will. And God never talks against his word, so stay in his word. Then we see the tragedy. And I hate that there is this tragedy, but it ends on a positive note in this section on tragedy, and that's the good news. As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. What we see here is the wickedness of wicked people. They have crooked ways. The idea of the word crooked is that they're on a byway that's bent, winding. It twists and it turns and takes detours to try to reach their destination in all kinds of different ways. That is the key to this crooked ways. It's the wrong road of life. They're on the wrong road of life, and they're bent on a travel that is in a sinful path. They're headed down the road of sin, and they don't turn from it. There's something about that turn aside. Oh, I hate that. Those that turn aside, that they don't pay attention to the things of God, and they just get away from God. He said, those that do that, they are wicked and they are going to be led forth with the workers of iniquity. The word workers means those that are practicing constantly the evil of iniquity, the lawlessness, the wickedness, the idolatry, and all the things that that iniquity has come to be in the sinfulness that it is. And so he says to them, lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. Those who depart from the straight path to the crooked path are to be punished. And the psalmist there is actually saying they need to be punished. And it's kind of interesting because he says, as uh, for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways. That means it's in the stem. Those that are causing themselves, they did it themselves. They caused them. They, as such as turn aside those that are turning aside that they're causing themselves unto their crooked ways they cause themselves to take the wrong path the lord shall cause them again in the hiffle stem the lord shall lead them forth he will cause them to go forth with those who are workers practicers of iniquity what a horrible thought process that is but then he leaves with a request as he's dealing with this ungodliness and the trust that he had, the triumph that that trust brought, he said, but peace shall be 
on Israel. Peace shall be upon Israel. Now, this is interesting. Peace upon Israel. The psalmist is praying for peace of Israel. And I'm glad to report to you that's a prayer we found out last time we're supposed to pray for the peace of Israel. You see, the word there is our word shalom. When we talked about last time, it means so much more than just the idea of just peace, but being calm and resting in that peace. If you have the real peace of God, you can rest in his peace. The first time it was ever mentioned was to Abraham in Genesis 15, 15, where the Bible says, And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. So he's told that he will go to his fathers, meaning he'll die in peace. They'll have it when he dies, there won't be any turmoil, and he'll be at a very good old age. And we know that that is true. So we see that Shalom has the idea of being peaceful with the absence of the conflict and strife that's around you. You're able to do that in a way. So we see peace upon Israel. The peace shall be upon Israel. May Israel have peace. And we need to pray for the peace of uh, Jerusalem and pray for Israel because the, the, the covenant is still there. I will bless them that bless you, Abraham, and all that seed, and I will curse them that curse you. So let's leave on a positive note here. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, they don't move. So the Lord is round about his people. You're surrounded by the love of God. He's in you and around you and with you. As long as you stay in his path, he'll manifest himself to you and make you the next step. When you step out of line, he will, uh, of course, convict you. And if you don't get back in line, he'll chasten you till you get back on the right path again and make that step that you were supposed to make. He'll bring you back to the next step every time. And how long it's going to take you to get back to the step? It depends on how stubborn you are. Trust in the Lord. You'll be unmovable. Trust in the Lord. You'll be surrounded. Trust in the Lord. You'll be secure. Trust in the Lord. You'll be safe. Trust in the Lord. You'll be sound. Trust in the Lord. You'll be whole. Trust in the Lord. And you will be thrilled, glad. You will be absolutely rejoicing and have the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. That, my friend, is the best way to leave with this psalm. They that trust in the Lord, you say, I'm one of those. I'm in the they. I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not unto my own understanding. But in all my ways, I acknowledge you, Lord, because I know you will direct my pass. Father, thank you for that direction. Thank you, Lord, for that instruction. Thank you, Lord, for your great doctrines, for your great truths, for your great love wherewith you love us, and your great mercy that you have shed upon us, and your great grace that you give to us. May we never, never, never take it for granted. In the blessed name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying you have an absolutely wonderful, awesome day. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his 
precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.